sermon this morning is based on Psalm 33. We're going to especially focus on verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Canada is a country that has a rich Christian heritage. It's reflected in many ways. Our laws reflect the influence of biblical teaching. Our hospitals and schools developed from the charitable work of Christian missionaries and volunteers. The parliament buildings in Ottawa, portions of scripture are enshrined on the walls as reminders of our Christian origins. When our nation was first named, this was under the influence of one of the founding fathers, Sir Leonard Tilly. In his daily devotions, he read from Psalm 72, verse 8, which speaks of how God shall have dominion from sea to sea. After sharing this with his colleagues, they collectively chose to name our country the Dominion of Canada. From 1877 until 1994, the House of Commons was opened each day by a lengthy prayer, asking for the assistance of the most gracious God for leading the House in their deliberations. Prayer was offered that peace and happiness, truth and justice, Religion and piety may be established among us for all generations. This prayer was ended with an appeal that it be heard through the mediation of Jesus Christ, our most blessed Lord and Savior. Since 1994, another prayer has been offered, which is more reflective of the different religions embraced by Canadians. The preamble to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms adopted in 1982 states that Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. This preamble was an attempt to anchor the rights and freedoms of all Canadians on two unchanging truths. First, that God alone has the right to order the affairs of mankind and direct our steps. He reigns over all. His precepts are non-negotiable. His judgments are right. Second, that the laws of Canada must conform to his law, and that all Canadians must be equally subject to those laws. Today, these truths are under attack. Secular humanism and competing worldviews have undermined the Christian worldview upon which our nation was founded The supremacy of God is no longer recognized. It's become increasingly difficult to speak about God and his word in the public square. Our society is tolerant of many things, but it's not willing to submit itself to the teaching of God's holy word. This morning we focus our attention on Psalm 33. Verse 12 reads, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose 
as his inheritance. Obviously, these words apply directly to Israel, God's covenant people of the Old Testament. And the principle that a nation is blessed when God is its Lord still applies. Today, let us reflect on who God is and the mighty works he has done. Psalm 33 calls us to praise him as sovereign king, to rejoice in the unfailing love that he has shown to us, his people. It's good for us to be reminded of God's place in our lives, not only as individuals or church, but also as nation. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Canada's prosperity depends on our fellow citizens knowing God's word, recognizing God's rule, and experiencing God's love. Psalm 33 is a psalm of praise. In it, the psalmist calls God's people to praise the Lord with song and music. The first three verses contain commands to shout for joy to the Lord and to make melody to him with stringed instruments. The righteous are told, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. This psalm does not contain a lament. It's not a prolonged plea for help. In it, the psalmist calls us to praise God, to exalt him, for his majesty and glory. Why are we to praise God in music and song? The psalmist gives us clear reasons for doing so. Psalm 33 speaks about the character of God, describes who the Lord is and the mighty deeds he has done. The heart of this psalm can be broken down into three parts. In verses 4 to 9, the Lord is praised for the word of his mouth. In verses 10 to 12, for the plans of his heart. And in verses 13 to 19, for the attention of his eyes. Throughout the psalm, we see how the Lord is to be praised as sovereign king of all the earth. And how we as his people are to glorify him for his unfailing love toward us. The psalmist first praises God for the word of his mouth. He says, The word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. God's words exhibit his character. He speaks what is right because he is a good God. He speaks the truth because he is true in all that he does. The Lord is faithful, he does what he says. We can count on our God because he always keeps his promises. The expression, the word of the Lord, is first used in the Bible when God spoke to Abram. He said to him, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Abram was struggling with the fact that contrary to God's promises, he was childless. The word of the Lord came to him promising that your very own son shall be your heir. The Lord showed Abram the stars in the night sky and said, 
so shall your offspring be. We know it required a miracle for Sarah to conceive a child in her old age. And yet the word of the Lord is very powerful. When God speaks, he accomplishes whatever he sets out to do. In the Old Testament, the Lord often revealed himself to his people by speaking his word to prophets or kings. The word of the Lord came to Samuel and Elijah, to Solomon and Jehu. God spoke his will to them. He revealed himself, his plans, his commands. He gave instruction and direction for how his people were to serve him. He called his people Israel to trust him, to rely on his faithfulness and on his unfailing love. The psalmist continues to praise God for speaking his word. He says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Here we are reminded of the creation account as recorded in Genesis 1. Reminds us of the mighty power of God's word. All God had to do was speak, and things happened. God said, let there be light, and there was light. By the word of his mouth, God brought all things into being. He is truly sovereign king of all the earth. Our understanding of the word of the Lord is deepened in the New Testament. The Gospel of John teaches us how Jesus Christ is called the Word. John writes, in the beginning it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Why was Christ called the Word? The answer is simple. It's because it's, it's, because it's especially in Him that God makes Himself known to us. The Father showed forth his unfailing love in his Son. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Without Christ's willingness to take on the role of a servant, to offer his body and blood for our sins, we will be lost eternally. Jesus came into this world to offer himself as a ransom for our sins, to pay for them so we could be reconciled to the Father. Jesus not only came as the atoning sacrifice to pay for our sins, he also spoke the word of God, relating whatever the Father wanted to make known to us. Jesus served as our chief prophet and teacher, he told us about the way of salvation. To prove that what he said was true, Jesus performed many mighty signs. He spoke, and the blind saw, the lame walked, people were healed of all kinds of diseases, demons were cast out, some were even raised from the dead. His works testified that he truly was God's Son sent into this world to redeem his children unto eternal life. 
The Lord Jesus ministered to God's people for about three years. He mentored a group of disciples whom he later sent out as his eye and ear witnesses. He commanded them to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that he had commanded them. And that's also today. The word of God continues to be active and powerful, calling people to repentance and life in Christ. Isaiah 55 makes it clear that the word of the Lord is effective. The Lord says, It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Still today, the word of the Lord is something we need. God makes known the way of salvation in his holy word, the Bible. It's the word that convicts us of our sins, that humbles us, that brings us to repentance. It's the word that makes known God's unfailing love in Jesus Christ, showing there's forgiveness and life in him. The Word teaches us how to live thankful lives in response to God's mighty deeds of salvation. We need to hear God's Word every day. It's how God speaks to us. It's through the Word that God draws us into communion with Him, that He keeps us living in close fellowship with Him. The Word of God is also something that our country, Canada, needs. Many people do not know God or our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They need to hear the Word that they may repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in Christ alone. It's striking that in verse 8 of our psalm, there is a universal call to serve God. The psalmist says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Here we see why we're called to share our faith with those who do not know God. Our nation also desperately needs the wisdom and instruction found in God's holy word. Canada has a Judeo-Christian heritage but in the last three generations, much of that heritage has been lost. Many people think that the way to reverse the trend is to be active in politics, to fight for what's right. It is good for a Christian voice to be heard in the political realm. It's proper to advocate for laws that uphold what God teaches us in his commandments. God's commands are for our good. They benefit all who obey them. But do you know what's even more necessary, beloved? It is for the gospel to sound forth. We have so many people in our country who have been estranged from the gospel. Perhaps their grandparents went to church at one time, but they do not know the gospel we have immigrants from all over the world who have settled into our communities. Many of them are completely unfamiliar with who Jesus Christ is 
or why he came into this world. Our country needs the gospel to go out. If you want to affect change in the political realm, the best way to do so is to have many of our fellow citizens turn to the Lord in repentance and faith. For the gospel changes everything. It softens people's hearts so they're no longer set on doing what they want to do. If people truly understand how Christ saved them from sin and Satan and ultimately from hell, they will want to live their lives for him. They would seek to make and uphold laws that conform to the word of the Lord. A nation that holds fast the truth, that provides justice and shows mercy to the downtrodden is a nation that will prosper we follow God and heed his word, we may expect his blessings on us. In our first point, we saw that Canada's prosperity depends on our fellow citizens knowing God's word. In our second point, we'll see that our nation's prosperity depends on our fellow citizens recognizing God's rule. Psalm 33 continues with the psalmist praising the Lord for the plans of his heart. He says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. God is sovereign Lord and King over all. No matter what world leaders may propose or plan, the Lord ensures that what he wants gets done. The psalmist confesses, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. God has a plan for this world, and he will accomplish it. Consider the Lord's promises to the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He promised to make them into a great nation, to give them Canaan as their inheritance. Israel became a great nation while living in slavery in Egypt. The Egyptians used the Hebrews to plant water and harvest crops and to toil as Pharaoh's slaves in various building projects. Pharaoh did not obey the Lord's command when he was told, let my people go. God had to deliver his people with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He brought terrible plagues on Egypt and its gods to compel them to let his people go. The Canaanite nations inhabited the promised land and they were prepared to fight for their territory. Yet the Lord told his people to be strong and courageous. He promised that he would give them the land by driving out the nations from it. He gave them Canaan as their inheritance. He allowed his people to settle there. Israel was located at the crossroads in the ancient world. Any time one of the developing world powers wanted to go to war, they needed to pass by Israel. Nations came and went. Some harassed God's people. Some even conquered them. Yet the Lord ensured that his people were never wiped out. 
Our faithful God worked for the benefit of his people. As the psalmist says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his heritage. Throughout history, God has acted to further his plan of salvation. Satan often tried to lead God's people astray, to wipe out the line leading to the Messiah, to frustrate God's salvation work. And yet God always accomplished the purposes of his heart. He ensured that a remnant remained, even when his people were taken into exile. He brought them back and reestablished them in the promised land. The Lord made sure that his son, our great redeemer Jesus Christ, came He came to deliver us from sin and death. Our text makes it clear that Israel is a nation whose God was the Lord. The people he chose as his inheritance. The question arises, is it right to quote Psalm 33 verse 12? To try to apply it to other nations today? Can we say in a general sense, blessed is a nation today when they recognize the Lord as their God? We live after Pentecost. God's word has gone out to people from all tribes and nations. May those who acknowledge God as sovereign Lord expect to live under his blessing. Yes, the Bible gives various examples of how God's mercy and goodness is extended to those who acknowledge him. Consider God's willingness to show mercy even on Sodom and Gomorrah. The people living in those cities were exceedingly wicked. Their sin was so grievous that the outcry reached the Lord in heaven. Abram pleaded with the Lord, not to destroy the righteous with the wicked. In the end, the Lord said that if even ten righteous people were found in the city of Sodom, he would spare that place for their sake. Many of God's people were taken into captivity in Babylon. Jeremiah instructed them to build houses and settle down to plant gardens and eat what they produced, to marry and have children. On behalf of the Lord, he said, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for for in its welfare you will find your welfare. These passages make it clear that the Lord is concerned for his children and because of them may bless and prosper the peoples among whom They live. And yet there's more. What we need to understand, beloved, is that when people live according to God's ways, they will be blessed. There are unbelievers in our communities who are committed to their marriage partner who would never cheat on him or her. Their faithfulness in marriage is often blessed. 
God gives them joy in their relationship together. They're able to avoid the trauma and hardship that comes with separation or divorce. When a country's laws are based on God's word, many blessings result. Consider the difference between a country that values honesty and justice and one that's plagued by corruption and bribery. Consider the difference between a country that rewards hard work and one that redistributes wealth by providing a good income to those who are too lazy to work for a living. Great blessings rest on countries that live according to God's holy word. And so it's important for us to share our faith with others. It's important for us to live out our faith, that those around us may see the blessings that result from a life devoted to the Lord. It's important to explain to others why we live as we do. They need to know that living according to God's commands is not burdensome, but it results in rich blessings from God's hands. It's also important for us to continue to pray for our country and our leaders, to pray that our fellow citizens may learn to see that our freedoms and our prosperity depend on God's blessings. It brings us to our final point. And we'll see that Canada's prosperity depends on our fellow citizens experiencing God's love. Psalm 33 continues with the Lord, continues with the psalmist praising the Lord for the attention of his eyes. He says, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. For where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Nothing that happens here on this earth escapes God's attention. Why does that matter? Because God not only watches and sees all that happens, he also intervenes in human history to act for his people. It is extremely comforting to know that Today, Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne at the Father's right hand. Our Savior, who loved us so much, he died for us, has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. God placed all things under Christ's feet for the sake of his church. We rely on him to care for us and to provide all our needs. The psalmist notes how we as human beings often put our hope in the wrong places. He says a king will not be saved by the size of his army or a warrior by his great strength. He says, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. What will the Lord do for those who put their confidence in him? He will deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. In other words, God will be near. He will supply all we need for body and soul. He will sustain us and help us 
along the pathway of life. Beloved, place your hope in the Lord, trusting in his unfailing love. For he is a God whose eyes are attentive, knowing the exact circumstances of our lives. God is not only aware of our needs, but as sovereign king, he's able to grant us more than we might ever expect of him. He provides strength to the weak, comfort to those who grieve, hope for those who are distressed. He's our redeemer, a God who delivers and protects those who fear him. May it be our prayer that many of our fellow citizens may come to experience God's love in Jesus Christ. For that, more than anything else, provides true comfort and joy in life. We've seen how Psalm 33 teaches us much about the character of our God. It encourages us to praise him for all his wondrous works. It leads the psalmist to the climax of this psalm as found in verses 20 to 22. These verses contain both a confession and a prayer. The psalmist confesses, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Because of who God is, the mighty deeds he does for his people, we may entrust ourselves to his care and keeping. Psalm 33 ends with a prayer. With the psalmist we pray, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Our text is here speaking about the covenant love that God has for his people. Our prayer is that God's steadfast love may rest on us. For if it does, we will be exceedingly blessed. May we desire God's blessing not just on us as individuals or families or as church. We also desire his blessing on our nation, Canada. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let it be our prayer that many of our fellow citizens may recognize the Lord as their sovereign king. That they may submit their hearts and lives to him so that his unfailing love rests on them. Let it be our prayer that as a nation we may recognize our Christian heritage and cherish what remains of it. Let it be our prayer that in Canada truth and justice may be upheld to God's glory, and for the benefit of all who live here. Then we may expect God to bless our land. Beloved, the psalmist calls us to praise the Lord as sovereign king. We know that he's a God whose word does not return to him empty. It accomplishes all he intends for it to do. He is a God who has a plan for this world and for our lives and who will bring it about. He's a God whose eyes are ever attentive to our situation and our needs. 
He showers his love on all those who fear him. Christ is king, not only of his church, but of this whole world. He rules, he governs over all. Also Canada, our home and native land, that is our comfort and our confidence. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from Psalm 33, stanzas 3, 4, and 6.